Well, greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be gathered with you all here in the house of God. And I've been very blessed, challenged, encouraged, even in the opening message. This past week, as many of you know, we, uh, my wife and I traveled to Pennsylvania to the funeral for uh, Sister Cindy Oberholzer. And of course, that's a time of reflection. Um, as I think it was the words of Solomon said, it's uh, better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, and that the wise would lay it to heart. And one of the verses that went through my mind frequently this week is um, 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 1, where Paul says, for this we know, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That is a precious promise, and it shows us the clear difference between that which is mortal and that which is immortal. Our house of this tabernacle is mortal, but we know that if this house is dissolved, That's simply another way of saying this body dies, decays, goes back to the dust. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then Paul goes on to say, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. This morning, uh, I would like to just give a bit of a teaching on the subject of a Biblical view of sickness. The subject is large. I won't be able to do uh, a thorough study on all aspects of it, but I have a concern that we be well grounded in a biblical view of especially how a Christian should consider or relate to sickness. And part of my burden is that there are false teachings that are afloat 
have been around for many years, and it seems like every now and then they come around again in our circle of acquaintance. And I would like for us to have a good biblical understanding of how a Christian should view sickness. Now, just as a little side note, I am suffering a bit of mortality here in my voice, in the weakness of my voice. I trust by God's grace and a few aids that I might get through this. I don't feel sorry for myself. I still feel sorry for you all needing to listen to this, my strained voice. But... It is an example of how in this mortal body we suffer afflictions. And the Christian is no exception to the rule. This sister that passed away was one who had many years of testimony of faithfulness. She loved the Lord. She had served her family, her husband, and the church well. She was well reported of for good works. She loved the Lord, served Him faithfully, And if you look at the scriptures where it talks about Phoebe having been a servant of the church and a succorer of many, that was her. And yet she got sick. And even as recently as a month ago, though they knew that she was very sick and had serious afflictions, they didn't really understand or it hadn't been diagnosed Um, very definitely they were still groping for some answers and trying to do some uh, remedies and had been to the hospital about nine months ago I believe it was and had things checked out but only very recently I think it was almost maybe less than a week that they finally did get a diagnosis of cancer quite advanced and though they knew that it was that she was very sick as recently as a month ago they would have had hope that some remedy could be found perhaps and that she might recover but very recently when the diagnosis came and it was an advanced stage of cancer uh, then hope was pretty much taken away that she would survive And so they prepared for her death, said their goodbyes, and she went with a hope of eternal life. No sorrow on that part. She went with with confidence. I believe that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, But if we're absent from the body, we'll be present with the Lord. And so the family has that hope as well and takes comfort in that. However, the parting is difficult. 
so that is one of the issues I'd like to discuss here is this morning is here we have a faithful sister who uh, fell ill. She had a sickness and she died and passed from this life. And for many of us, at least those who are close to that age, it feels like an early departure from this life. And we would desire that life and health would continue and that she might have had many more years. Well, there's teaching about that... um, And I'll just give a few of those, maybe some phrases or teaching that's out there. One of them I have heard is the statement that it's not God's will for anybody to be sick. Or, well, maybe in particular, a Christian. It's not God's will for a Christian to be sick. Well, if that be true, and we just take that at, uh, you know, and try to digest that, well then it would logically follow that if we're aligned with God's will, then we wouldn't be sick. And further, it might be stated then that if it's not God's will for us to be sick, or as a Christian, then it's simply a matter of faith. If you have faith enough to be healed then you can pray and be healed. And therefore, a Christian should never have to suffer uh, with sickness because it's just a matter of faith and we, we be healed. Well, there's a problem with some of those teachings and the problem comes in now when you have, as this past week, a faithful mother who had a good testimony, a good hope in Christ Jesus, that she had been purged from her old sins. She had walked in newness of life. She had been counted among the saints and was a testimony of the grace of God in the life of a believer and gets sick and dies. Does that mean that Something went wrong in her faith or in the faith of her family or or the church. Further, there is the teaching out and about that sickness is the result of a specific sin in our life. And... There may be a reason that, uh, depending on what your sickness is, uh, for example, if you have um, if you have liver problems, they look to the verse there in Proverbs that talks about a man who went into a harlot, and he didn't realize that it was for for his life that he was going to suffer for his life. And there's a phrase there that talks about till a dart strike through his liver. And so they conclude, based on that verse, that if you have liver problems, perhaps you're immoral. Or 
And that's just one example out of many. Trying to link every disease with some specific sin. I don't believe that. I'm just laying it out here as something that's out there. And I'll explain why that is not a safe guide from the scripture. There would further be, and I've heard this recently, uh, from one direction that the teaching that there are certain sicknesses that we as believers can take authority over and we just rebuke them away from us or from if you're assisting somebody who has this sickness, you just need to rebuke them away, rebuke the sickness away as you would an evil spirit and the sickness is supposed to go away. But again, is that really what the scripture teaches? So, I'd like to look at a number of passages and, and consider what the scripture teaches about this matter of sickness. Now, I'd like for you to turn with me there in 2 Corinthians. I read from chapter 5, but I'd like to look at chapter 4, the previous chapter. We want to uh, try and make something very clear here. In verse 7, Paul in his teaching says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might be through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then he goes on to say, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
And what is very clear from this passage is that there is a difference between that which is mortal, that is our body, this mortality that we would desire to have clothed with immortality, but in this life, this body is subject to death. It's subject to, as Paul says, dying. Dying with the Lord Jesus. Our body is always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And that's why Paul is able to say that we are confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there is a spiritual reality of our being that is to be considered very separately from this physical um, body. The, The spiritual and the physical. The physical, this body, is subject to mortality. It's subject to sickness. It's subject to decay and death. The spirit, though, even though that body is deteriorating, and as we go from year to year, we feel it deteriorating. That's part of our mortality. But the inward man can be renewed day by day. It can actually gain strength as we go through life. And why is that? This treasure that God has put in us is in this earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have the example of Paul and I'll just insert this, maybe use it several times. But Paul had an affliction, he called it an affliction, a thorn in the flesh. doesn't say specifically what it was, but we know it was physical because he calls it a thorn in the flesh. It was probably painful, most likely seemed a hindrance to his ministry. Just from the way he says he besought the Lord three times for this to depart from him. And the Lord answered him and said, My strength, my strength, the Lord's strength is made perfect in weakness. I'd like to draw several lessons from what Paul went through and what he said. Note, first of all, it was a physical affliction that he desired to be rid of. And in fact, he calls it a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, I mentioned earlier that some are saying that some sickness should just be something you rebuke away from you like you would a spirit. Well, I would suggest this would be a prime candidate because he called it a messenger of Satan. Well, if that be so, why not just rebuke it in Jesus' name, rebuke this affliction away from him and be free of it? Surely Paul had faith, didn't he? 
But that wasn't his approach at all. He said that he besought the Lord three times. He asked for it to go away. He didn't rebuke it away. He didn't say, in Jesus' name, be gone, even though he actually calls it a messenger of Satan. But he made an appeal for it to go away. For the Lord to take care of it. And the answer that the Lord gave, that my strength is made perfect in weakness, and, and Paul subsequently said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. And there you clearly have the contrast between the physical and the mortality that we have that is subject to death, decay, and, and struggle, and the immortal. That is our spirit, that inner man that can be renewed day by day. And so, when Paul said, most gladly will I glory in my infirmities, and when Christ had told him that my strength is made perfect in weakness, that weakness is referring to the physical body. It is not referring to his spirit. It is not God's will for us to be weak in our spirit. If somebody is weak spiritually, the exhortation of the scripture is to get strength. He speaks of that numerous places. He says, um, be strengthened with all might by his spirit in the inner man. Here in Corinthians he mentions that the inward man is renewed day by day. He says... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Quit ye like men, be strong. Those are the exhortations of Scripture, and it's referring to the spirit, the inner man, the spiritual man who can embrace godliness and be strengthened day by day. I think the testimony of our sister that passed away her spirit was not getting weaker. Her spirit was getting stronger. She had confidence. They even, um, the deacon there was giving testimony of having been at her bedside just a day or so before she passed away. And he said there was even a bit of humor in her response. See, 19 years ago, Two of their sons had drowned in a, in a farm pond there. And she had expressed different times that she desired to go and meet them. Well, so here just prior to her passing, someone reminded her and asked her, Did, do you remember what you said uh, when the two boys were in their casket and when we were burying them. Do you remember what you said to one of your daughters? Well, he wasn't sure if she had remembered, but she was reminded that one of the, like a four-year-old daughter who couldn't quite understand what was happening, they had, they were burying her brothers. You know, why are we putting them in the ground? And this mother answered, well, it's a little bit like a banana peel. It's just the shell that you know, we put away 
It's not the real thing. And so she was reminded of what she had said 19 years ago. And her response, she had a bit of a smile, and she said, well, <laughs> I, I guess this banana peel hasn't been doing very well for a while. That was her um, realizing that the body is getting weak. This body is about to go. And yet the spirit is not discouraged. The spirit is still full of joy. It's still strong. It's still able to, to endure. So... Rather than looking at sickness as a result of sin or, and I'm referring here to some personal sin, or as an evidence that we don't have sufficient faith, I think first and foremost we need to recognize that sickness is first of all a result of our mortality and that we are not exempt from suffering afflictions and distresses of our body, this physical shell that is our mortal existence. This, um, this mortality that we desire would be clothed upon with immortality. But we are in this life and we, it is subject to that decay. It need not distress us to where our spirit is, is, um, is burdened. Now let me go back a bit and consider the question about sin and sickness. And if we look at all of Scripture, we know that there is a certain connection, starting with man's fall in the garden, that... God had said that in the day they eat of this fruit, they will surely die. And they did surely begin the death process when they sinned. And so, the scripture tells us that because of their transgression, death passed upon all men. That has been our lot. Because of that sin, we are now subject to death and decay and mortality. So there is that connection in a general sense that we could say, well, yes, then sickness, that which we're subject to, is a result of sin. Not necessarily our personal sin, but the sin of the human race. Death is passed upon all of us. Now further, it is also clear from the scripture that there are certain particular sins that do affect the mortal body. For example, in Proverbs where it talks about immorality and, and a man not going into a harlot, it does talk about his sorrows and it talks about at the latter end, when thy flesh and thy body is consumed. I don't know what all that means, but we do know that there are certain uh, physical 
illnesses and afflictions that attend immorality and are a result of immorality. And there are millions that suffer from that. Even today, though, when you look at the, uh, the issue of AIDS, which comes primarily from immoral practices of, that is spoken of there in Romans chapter 1, and it does have a certain stigma with it, I've been interested to note that society is trying to erase all stigma from the issue of AIDS and making it appear as though it could affect anybody. And, well, while it is true that it's not strictly limited, there are a few other ways that, uh, by contact, that a person not caught up in those immoral sins could actually get AIDS, but that is the exception, not the rule. The rule is primarily those with an immoral lifestyle suffer from this affliction. And again, it's just a picture that there are certain sins that have consequences, and the judgment of God can fall on such. Also, in another sense, a general sense, it has been um, evidenced by studies and even by observation and the Scripture that those who are in sin, and I'm thinking here of things like anger, bitterness, those do have oftentimes a negative effect on our body. It can weaken the body to the point where it is more subject to sicknesses, illnesses, those uh, that anger that injects those things you were talking about, brother, that affect the body and fears and so on can actually bring on physical afflictions. He that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him seek peace and, and ensue it. Those are biblical principles. and I don't think we should ignore the concept that that there is a blessing that attends um, joy and peace and, and uh, putting away things like anger and bitterness and all those things. They can have a physical effect on the body. However, I think it would be a great mistake to assume that every sickness and every sin is a result of some personal sin that I have committed, and that if I were cleansed of that sin, if I would have faith, then I would never have a sickness. I don't think the Scripture teaches that. The one example that probably comes to mind is that of Job. Job suffered physical affliction. And what was the one virtue that the Scripture lifts up as Job's virtue? 
It does talk about faith, but the one that's lifted up is his patience. I'd like for you to turn with me to James, uh, James chapter 5. says, be patient, therefore, this is in verse 7, James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. We'll skip over parts of it here. Verse 8, be ye also patient, establish your hearts. Verse 9, grudge not one against another. Verse 10, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Just ponder that for a moment. We count them happy which endure. Endure what? Well, endure the distresses of life. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Now it's very interesting that he puts these two together because even Job, it seemed, had... If, if we read some of the statements he made, we would almost tremble to make some of the statements he made. He said that it would have been better if he had never been born. He said that though he has been righteous, why do these afflictions come upon him? Seem to have that question. His three miserable comforters assured him that it must be because of personal sin. And he objected and declared his innocence he didn't understand it, but he did say that even though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. We can see his faith came through. So he had much faith, but he also had patience. He endured. He endured to the end. And he endured his affliction with patience. It does seem like he did a lot of soul searching. And it has been amazing to me that some modern-day teachers who would be of the mindset that all afflictions must be some because of some personal sin have even found fault with Job because Job said, The thing which I have greatly feared has come upon me. And they pounce on that verse and say, Ah, okay, see, there it is. Job was fearful. And because of his fearfulness, all these afflictions actually did come upon him. Well, isn't that amazing? When God didn't find any fault with Job, these modern-day uh, theologians do and assure us that it was because of his fear that these things came upon him. And I say, no. If God didn't find fault with him, then let's, let us not do so either. And realize that Job endured this with patience. He even looked at his mortal body and talked about if, you know, even if the worms destroy this body, 
yet in my flesh shall I see God. He believed in a resurrection. And he did not count his earthly body as the final end. And by that example, we should also take courage that sickness in this body is to be expected as part of our mortality. And there is a point where we need to endure it with patience. Now, I will hasten to say, as he says here, let's go on down and hear this passage. Verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I see time is getting away from me here to cover everything I'd like to share, but I do believe, even though I've just stressed the importance of us enduring with patience because of our mortality and the fact that this flesh is subject to decay, here when he asks the question, is any sick among you? It's assumed that those, it's going to happen. There will be sick among us. And what they should do is call for the elders of the church. You should pray over them. And there is a call for us to have some faith and some expectation that God will answer and heal. And when we look at the, uh, the story of Jesus, how when he was on the earth, people came to him with their sickness and their illness, and Jesus would heal them. He healed them all when they came to him. And he had compassion on them. He healed them. Well, many look at that and emphasize that, and, and that is great. It's, it's true that Jesus healed them all. And I do believe that we should, in our afflictions, come with some faith and some expectation that God does want to heal and answer our request. But almost, it also needs to be carried with a, um, with a recognition that sickness is a part of our mortal existence and that there are times when God calls us to bear it with patience and to just endure, not losing heart or losing faith. So there is a bit of a shall we say, a contrast there, where we need to hold both of those in balance that we not lose faith. And I know there are some of those teachers out there who will say, well, if you take the view that this is just part of our mortal existence and it's to be expected that we're sick, well, that tends to make you a bit of a 
have a fatalistic view that, well, there's, you know, this is just how it is. And it militates against faith to believe that God will heal. Well, it is true that if we emphasize that view of, well, this is just how it is, it could maybe cause us to shrink back from really entering into faith. But somewhere in all of this, we need to have it in right balance. That we understand that there are times when healing from sickness is not immediate. It may take some time, and there may be some that simply die from their sickness. And it's not something that needs to be viewed as a lack of faith or as, a, um, or as an evidence of personal sin because of that sickness, but rather committing ourselves to the Lord and acknowledging that we are in this mortal body. And yet, if we have placed our confidence in the Lord, we know that if this earthly house, if this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If you turn to Revelation, you find that in that land, in that age, in the world to come, sickness, sorrow, death, are all passed away. We'll not be subject to uh, hungering and thirsting anymore. Sorrow and sighing are fled away. And so, in all of this, we have a clear understanding that there is a difference between our mortal body and the spiritual man. The spiritual man can be renewed day by day. One of the dangers of some of these teachings is when they put sickness on the same level as salvation. And by that I mean the concept that if you have enough faith, then you will be healed. And of course then the reverse is a conclusion that, well, if you don't have faith, then you won't be healed or may not be healed. But my question is then, if you don't have faith sufficient to heal you, how can you be assured that you have faith sufficient to save you and that your soul and spirit will be saved in the day of, of visitation? And what I'd like to emphasize is there is a danger of faith being overthrown if you put it in the same category as salvation of the soul. Jesus said it very clearly that it is possible to enter into life halt or maimed. This physical body can uh, be would you say it is not possible for this physical body to to uh, inherit immortality? This body has to be transformed, and so it is possible for this mortal body to have 
disfigurement, blemishes, to be halt or maimed, somehow perhaps in sickness, and it's still possible for the spirit to be strong, to be saved, to be redeemed. And ultimately then, the body will be resurrected. But in the meantime, it suffers death and decay and so on. So let's not confuse the two. Let's realize that to be sick, to have cancer, does not bar you from heaven. It cannot separate you from the love of God. And to die of cancer doesn't mean that you had no faith. We cannot uh, reach that conclusion based on the scriptures. There is the teaching out there that uh, sometimes it's called the healing in the atonement. They say, well, because of Christ's death, we have physical healing. And they will preach that and teach that, that if uh, it's not God's will for you to be sick, and because Christ died for you, and, he, and they'll turn to that passage in, in Isaiah chapter 53, and look at the phrase, by his stripes ye are healed. Well, I would like to explain that when he says, by his stripes we are healed, he's not talking about physical healing. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 8. Verse 19, Jeremiah 8, 19. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people. Because of them that dwell in a far country, is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment, astonishment hath taken hold on me. Someone want to finish reading? Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered?
question in this passage would be, is he actually talking about physical health? The answer is no. When he's talking about a bomb in Gilead, he's not talking about some physical ointment. When he asks, is there no physician there? He's not talking about a medical doctor. He's talking about a remedy for the soul. But he's using a figure of speech that we can plainly understand. They needed a physician. They needed a remedy. And it was for the soul. It didn't have to do with the physical. Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? He's not talking about physical health. He's talking about the spirit. And so, likewise, in Isaiah 53, when he says, By his stripes we are healed, it's not talking about physical health, not the health of this body. It's talking about the spirit, the health of the spirit. And I believe it's one of those misapplied, misinterpreted scriptures to make that say that in Christ's atonement there is physical healing. Now, it is true that Christ does have compassion on us. But it's not, uh, <clears throat> not in a direct sense because he suffered those stripes and those, and those wounds. He, he did that for our soul. His body was broken that we might be made whole. It was a remedy for sin. And let's not confound that and confuse it with physical healing. In, uh, <clears throat> I think I missed emphasizing there in that passage in James <clears throat> that where it talked about the uh, patience of Job, it said the Lord is very pitiful <clears throat> and of tender mercy. It is easy for us when our body is suffering from physical affliction or a loved one is suffering. You know, the question comes to us, does, you know, should Christians be suffering these things? Where is the Lord? Does the Lord care for me? Does he care for my affliction? And the answer is yes. The Lord is very pitiful. He is of tender mercy. He was of tender mercy to Job. There were reasons Job didn't understand. There are reasons we don't understand. But it should not shake our faith and confidence in God. And it should actually, these examples, 
And he lifts up the one of Job here. We count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So just to recap some of the main points here in my message. First of all, we need to understand that sickness is part of our mortal experience. And it's because this body is subject to death and decay. Secondly, when we do have sickness, let us not be weak in faith. Let's seek the Lord. And it's no, um, no sign of lack of uh, trust in God or, or even in, in patience if we seek some remedy and healing, appeal to God, pray in faith. The call is for the sick to call for the elders of the church and to pray in faith. But we have to hold that with the recognition that there are times when we are not healed in the physical. Our mortal body may still be subject to this uh, and eventually succumb to death. But in that, we need to have confidence in the Lord and recognize that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He has not forsaken us. Um, there is the uh, testimony of the Lord. Though the children of Israel suffered much affliction in the wilderness, it does say that in all of their affliction, he was afflicted. He felt their suffering and pain. <coughs> and we can be sure that when we suffer sickness, God understands and knows our affliction. I think I'll conclude with that. Just to exhort you to not be shaken in mind by any false teachings or concepts out there. But put your faith in God.